Um, it's good to be back. It's good to be here among us again, among friends and among family. Um, I want to try and do something just a little bit different this morning in terms of I'm usually walking about and um, parading about like some sort of a uh, somebody's got ants in their pants or some sort of general or whatever. Um, I felt this morning that God was saying, "Us just to sit down, just to be." I want you to know this this stuff that we're talking about. As long as you can see me from here, um, doesn't matter if you can't or not. As long as you can hear what God's up to, that's the main thing. Um, but I feel like I need to come down. I'm I am not at any superior level where I want to talk down to you. I want to talk with you. Because um, there's stuff this morning and then the next three weeks that we're going to journey in that I felt like God has been pursuing me and challenging me on. And I think it's for all of us. I hope it's for all of us. Um, I'm not going to be as arrogant to say, hey, God has said this. <laughs> but I think he's been challenging me through this. And so I think this is for us. Uh, how we'll know that is if this stuff lands with us and resonates in our hearts. And we'll know it's from him. And so that's what my heart's prayer is. Um, I can also waffle on a bit. So I'm going to try and put. I don't know why I'm shaking this morning. <sighs> um, sometimes I can waffle on a bit. So I want to keep the time. So I'm going to put this here to be accountable. And to honor you guys with your time. And this. So yeah. If you're here for the first time. If you're here for the 51st time, if you're here for the 101st time, you're welcome. Know that you're loved. We love having you here. We love people. We love to be family and we love to gather together and to celebrate our dad, our father in heaven. And that's what all we do on a Sunday morning. That's why the time of worship that Mary led us so beautifully in. Thank you, Mary, for that was a last minute thing where Mary stepped in, but when you carry an anointing and a gift around that, it doesn't matter if you've been super prepared or whether you're just throwing in or you step in. God honors that obedience. So thank you, Mary, for leading us in that. But we, we've been on this journey through Acts, and so we want to try and have a little bit of a recap on this. Some of you may be thinking, are we still in Acts? Yes, we are. We're still going through the book of Acts. The more that I read it, the more I think we could spend our life in this book, understanding the early church, their DNA, what made them who they were. And we want to learn from that. Because you see, we're not just a book club. If we were a book club, it would be like, um, let me just use an example. We would study a book around karate and then say, what do you think that meant? How do you put those moves into action? We want to be more like a karate club where we understand and we get the basics, but we want to put it into action. And so if you're here for the first time, know that you're on that journey with us on this. You're so welcome. Please join that journey. Hold us accountable on this. We're not saying that we're perfect. We're learning around this stuff. At times we get it wrong more times than enough. But our hearts are set. The compass is set on the true north, which is him, Jesus. And so we want to walk and practice the same things. Walk in the way that he did and practice his ways in a world that needs to see a genuine and authentic Jesus. And so I want to look at that um, this morning. Sometimes as family that means we have to have 
difficult conversations. We have to have conversations that challenge us to the core. That's part of being family. And so I've felt over the last few weeks, um, before I went to Ireland, but whenever I was in Ireland and I've came back, the same phrase that's been coming over in my own life, but I feel it's for us as a church. Um, if the PowerPoint's working here, could you bring it up for us, please? Um, so we want to be people of genuine faith. That's what we're going to look at in the next few weeks, genuineness and authenticity. Um, if you put it on the next slide there, please. Um, this is the phrase that I feel that God has been saying to us, to consider our ways, or some translation says to give careful thought to your ways. Just in the corner, if you want to read more about this, read Ezra and Haggai. There are stories that are in the first half of the Bible in the Old Testament. They'll tell you the story around this, consider your ways. Basically, the overview of it is, just to give you the context, um, Haggai is this, this prophet who speaks on behalf of God to the people of Israel in those times. And what he says to them, they've been given this task to rebuild the temple. So they were taken out of their country by foreign nations, but now it had come to the time where they were allowed back and God was saying, you're to rebuild the temple. But what had happened was various things had opposed them and they had got to the point um, where the building had stopped. And basically in the book of Haggai, there's a new king that comes on board. There's freedom to build, but the people aren't building it. And so Haggai says, consider your ways. Consider your ways. You have all the freedom to go and build my kingdom, to build my temple again. Um, But instead of building my house, you've got caught up building your own fancy paneled houses. Let me say it again. Instead of building my house, you've got caught up building your own fancy paneled houses. Consider your ways. How is that going for you? Basically is what he says. I feel that as we've been journeying through the book of Acts, I've felt personally challenged in this. Consider your ways. How is it changing you? How is my temple? Is the Holy Spirit living within us now? We're the temple. Are you building my temple? Are you just interested in the byproducts of that? Because as we go through the book of Acts, it cannot just be behavior change. It cannot just be the things that we do. It has to be who we are. Right in here. And I love that we are an outward focused family. We will always be that. But that means at times we have to check what's going on in our own hearts. And I feel that we're at a moment where we have to do that. Consider our ways. You see, we're to grow in our Christ likeness. We're to grow in being like Jesus. And some of you, as we've been journeying through this, I know this is happening in your lives. We've had conversations. I see the inworking of the Holy Spirit. I hope that's happening within me as well. But I want to challenge us all. How are we growing in our Christ likeness? How are we growing to be like him? Not just in our behavior, but if you want to bring up the next slide there, guys. Not just, oh yeah, I forgot about this verse. This is, it's not just me that's saying that we have to look like and we have to be Christ-like. This is what scripture says, 2 Corinthians 3.18. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. We see his glory and then we reflect it. Remember that, we reflect it. It's not our own glory, we reflect his glory. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That's the purpose for our lives, first and foremost. All the rest, mission, outreach, only exists because we don't worship. 
We were created to worship. We were created then to reflect that image because God always knew we were never going to fully worship him. And so mission exists because worship doesn't. It's John Piper, I think, um, that gave us that phrase. And so we're to do that in all ways. Let's bring up the next slide there, guys. Uh, we're to do that in all ways. Some of you will know this little triangle. Um, it's the cognitive behavior triangle. So it's thoughts, feelings, and actions. Um, that Basically, everything that we have around that comes from Scripture. <laughs> everything comes around it. Put it on to the next one, guys. Because it's actually, instead of thoughts, feelings, and actions, it's character, mind, and behavior. And that's what we're meant to be growing in. We're meant to grow in our, our, our image of how our character is, how our mind, how our behavior all mimics what is going on. On the next slide, it comes from here, the heart. That's the only way that those things change, is if there's genuine heart change. We can try all these other um, self-help methods, which are good in some way, but the only way that we're going to see lasting change is when there's heart Genuine heart change. So if we want to see all the components of us as the body of Christ called to reflect his image, then that means we need heart change so that we'll, yes, do things different, we'll think differently, but our character, our our genuineness, our feelings, who we are will change in that. And I feel like God's saying we're to consider our ways in that because Proverbs 4.23 says that everything that we do flows from the heart. So we need heart change. We need genuine, authentic heart change. How does that come about? Well, I want to look at the book of Acts. So we're going to, this is where we're getting back into Acts. So if you have a, there, there's some Bibles at the side. Can we get them distributed? I, I just love opening up scripture. It's not me that needs to talk to you. It needs to be this. It needs to be God's word that speaks to you. And so if you turn to Acts chapter 4, at verse 32, what we're going to do, I'll, we'll bring it up on the screen as well if someone hasn't got a Bible, because we all, we all want to read this together. And I want us to camp out in this for the next few weeks, these next two to three weeks, and see what we can learn from this. So Acts 4, 32 to 35, just three verses. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of them, any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the seals and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So what we see here is there's lots of good stuff that's going on. There's behavior that's going on. But look at the order. Because see, Scripture does not make mistakes. Even the order of things shows us. It says all the believers were one in heart. They were one in mind. And then the behavior come from that. So it all stems back to heart. A unity in heart. And we'll look at that a little bit in the next few weeks as we look corporately at this. But today it's personally. Looking at the heart that we have. Everything came, there, everything that was going on here, generosity, there was the, the preaching about Jesus resurrected. If you read throughout Acts, we see the healings and the signs and the wonders and all these things are good stuff, okay? But we can never settle for that. And I want to challenge us on that, okay? Because as a church, I love that as a church, I want to honor us as a church 
that we love to do stuff that is outward focused and we love to do things. We love to serve our city. We love to love people well. All these things are good, but only if they come from a genuine place of genuinely loving and authentically loving people with no other motive but to love well. Not to see a church grow, not to get a pat on the back, but because we want to grow in being like Jesus. That's what our mission statement is about. We want to see his love pour out into the hearts. And so I think I want to challenge us in this because we need to consider our ways because God says, I don't look at the outside. I look what's in the inside. I look at what's going on in your heart as a family and your heart individually. I want to keep bringing this back individually because I'm being challenged in this. What's going on in your heart? How's your heart? We need regular heart checkups. We need regular heart checkups. But how did this heart change come about? Because it's important for us to understand this. So if you look just a little bit, it'll come up on the screen as well, back to in Acts, back to verse 13. So to give you the context, just I know this is a little bit over the place, but I'll try and bring you in the context to understand what's going on. Um, This is Peter and John, some of the early leaders in the church who have been with Jesus. They've spent time with Jesus. They've heard everything that he said. There's been a radical change in their life. And they're going around and they're seeing the fruit of that. So there's signs and wonders that's happening. People are being healed. There's a, a declaration about Jesus rising from the dead. But all this stuff, the religious people of the day cannot understand it. They don't know what's going on. And so they bring them before the Sanhedrin or this It's a religious council, basically, and said, explain to us what's going on. And they begin to tell what is going on in their lives. And in verse 13, we see this. When they, that's the religious people of the day, Acts 4, 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. That's it. They had been with Jesus. I would love that the first thing people would think about me is that I've been with Jesus. But far too many times it's been all our stuff. But I would love that when people look at us as people, they would see that we have been with Jesus and we have a genuine, authentic love that inspires a genuine and authentic faith. But it comes from being. With Jesus, you see, this is people who didn't have relationship with Jesus at all, but yet the behavior and the heart behind it was so evident it pointed towards him. That's the challenge in our lives. That's genuineness. When everything that we do and everything that we say points people to Jesus. I have a family member who I was chatting to when I was back in Ireland, and she doesn't love Jesus doesn't change how I feel about her. I love her. But she doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. And her reason is because she's been badly hurt and, and all these other things. But she'll say, I would love to have a faith like what you have because I so want God to be real. I so want God to be real. Maybe you're here and that's your heart. You want God to be real, but it's been blocked by hurt and disappointment and hypocritics. Hypocrites. I feel like Jesus is saying, just come to me and be with me. That's all I'm asking. 
People desire God to be real. The only way that we're going to get to see that is if we be genuine. This is what the word genuine means. I love just getting the meanings of words. It means being what something or someone appears or claims to be. It's real. It's not false. You were called to be genuine. Genuine people. So whenever I was at church growing up, the talks that had the most impact on me were the kids' talks. Because there was always something visual. I've been understanding this a little bit more this last while. We, we're, we're a people who like visual representations. It helps us to stick things in our mind and they, and they stay there. So I want to give you a visual representation of what um, has happened at times and what we're called to be around faith. So when I was in Ireland recently, I was in this shop. Uh, it's called Centra. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before. They're like a spa shop or the little petrol stations that you get in garages. Um, they're everywhere in Ireland, just a, an ordinary shop. But I walked into it, and I just at this moment, in a centre, where I think God was beginning to show me something. Uh, and so he showed me this sign of Coca-Cola that was there. Okay, And you see the phrase, this is the, the actual one that was in the shop. It was an old-time one. It's the real thing. So Coca-Cola is the real thing. But nowadays, we have so many variations. So we have, like, this is Coca-Cola with raspberry. We've got um, Diet Coke. We've got, that's the genuine stuff here, you see, my favorite. There's Coke Zero. There's Caffeine Free, and that's just a few. There was this whole shelf that had all these different types of Coca-Cola And yet there was only one of them that was the genuine, the real Coca-Cola. How how would I have known it? Well, it says it on the label. If you look at the ingredients and what makes it up, that's how you know if it's genuine Coca-Cola or not. But if you take all the labels off, I think they would all look the same. Okay? If you take the labels off, they'll all look the same. So how do you know which one's the genuine Coca-Cola? And which one isn't? What? That's it. You taste it. You have to taste it. And in Scripture, we see in, in the Psalms where it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, it's not the only way, but probably one of the most best ways and one of the most genuine ways that God wants to see us be is that people would taste us. And see that we're genuine. See that we are the real deal. That's the challenge that's on us. It's not that God can't work without us, but he wants to work in and through us to reflect his light. And whether we like it or not, people taste us. We witness and we reflect. We either reflect well or not so well. And so the challenge that I'm feeling is that I want to reflect well, and I want to challenge us that we will reflect well. I'm not saying we have to be perfect. Hear me in that. Okay? That's religion that says we have to be perfect. I'm not saying that. I say we're on a journey. We're on a journey where the old life is gone, the new life has begun. On this journey. But too often we're offering cheaper alternatives to the real thing. Cheaper alternatives to the real things. So I want to look at those really quickly. Time's going. I want to look at these really quickly and see um, 
What we can learn about our faith. I'm going to have to get up for this. Sorry, I've sat for long enough, Lord. Coca-Cola Zero, all right. Just don't get it. Right, so Coca-Cola Zero, it means all these things either have plus or minus something. They either have something added or something taken away. And that's what we're offering in faith. We're offering faith plus stuff or faith minus in today's world when we're just supposed to offer faith. That's it. So faith zero looks like zero commitment, zero cost, zero things that cause us to sacrifice, zero dying to self, and zero leaving behind the old life. We don't like this word discipleship or growth anymore. It's like, no, no, no. I'm just going to get the name Coca-Cola and then that's it. Zero everything else. But actually 2 Corinthians 5 says... In verse 17, that the old life is gone. So the old pains have gone. The hurts from the past have gone. We leave them behind. The old behaviors, the old ways of thinking are left behind. And I know that that doesn't happen overnight. But it says in the rest of that verse that the new life has begun. So that means we're on a journey of stepping more and more into genuine, authentic Christ-likeness in this new, abundant John 10.10, full life, and yet we're content to settle for some sort of cheap alternative and think that we're doing okay. No, we're not. Now, don't get me started on this one. Diet Cola. Diet Coke. This comes into our house. I can't have it at all. And I'll tell you why I think we've offered Diet Coke faith and how we've done this. So, I, look, look, let's just be honest. Look at the size of me, okay? I love what I'm going to call full fat Coke, all right? I love it. It's like, why would you want to drink any cheap alternative? Just go for the real thing, all right? But whenever I go to lift it in a shop or when I'm out with friends and I order a Coca Cola, I see them looking at me. They're judging me. I see that, that this woman one day down in the co op, as I was lifting this big bottle of full fat Coke, She's looking at me like, really? I mean, yeah, I love it. You know what Diet Coke is? People become a little bit prideful around Diet Coke. You know, it looks a little bit more stylish. You know, it's a little bit healthier for you. And so people look down their noses. And for too long, we've been offering diet faith. Full of pride, plus pride, faith plus pride. Where we've been saying to people, I'm better than you. I know all this stuff. You don't. I'm better than you. And what we've been doing is we've been releasing shame, guilt. We've been releasing condemnation. And all those things are the opposite of what genuine faith are. Don't be Diet Coke Christians. Caffeine free. (laughs) My old favorite, especially back in Ireland, is caffeine free is full of energy. There's, a, there's components in it that bring life and bring energy called caffeine. Um, and for us, we love faith that doesn't have Holy Spirit within it. We love to have a dead faith that's just about obeying rules. It's just about sitting with God's Word, which is important. Don't get me wrong, we need that. But we need Word and Spirit, both. Not either or, we need both. 
And for too long, we're, we're afraid to drink the genuine stuff, so we go for caffeine-free. Caffeine-free faith. No Holy Spirit, because we're scared what might happen, and we're scared what we might do when we have Holy Spirit within. Hey, he might just change our hearts to be more genuine. <laughs> Isn't that a scary thing? And then lastly, in today's world, there's, this is one flavor, raspberry. You know, there's all different flavors. There's vanilla, there was lime, there was lemon, there was cherry, vanilla, peach. There was actually an exotic mango as well. All these different flavors were... In this day's society, we live with an entitlement culture that says, my way is right. And so we're offering all these different versions of faith plus stuff because they're our way of doing things. We think that our version is right. We're living in a post-truth culture, so don't tell us that we're wrong. I'm right. I'm entitled to have my opinion. I'm entitled that my way of doing things is right. Can I tell you, go back and read the book of Judges. And then you'll see how it turns out for society when we do what's right in our own eyes. <laughs> it's his will. His way. I don't think there's ever been a time. And I say this, it is weighty to say it, but I don't think there's ever been a time in history where there's been more need for genuine Authentic, full-fat faith. The real deal. With all the ingredients and everything that it says on the tin is done. Lost my place here. Oh, I could forget about it, Craig. You want to put it on there? The one... Craig Grishel, he's the leader of Life Church in, in America, and, and he's a great way of wording things. And as soon as I heard it, as I saw this um, a few weeks back, it just hit me to the core. There's a big difference between calling yourself a Christian and being Christ centered. I want us to be Christ centered. I want to be Christ centered so that everything that we do reflects Jesus. For too long, Jesus has been misrepresented by the church. <laughs> I come from Ireland. I know that. It's happened in our nation, but it's happened in many other nations where things have been done in the name of God and in the name of Jesus that was never God's intention, was never his intention. In fact, it brought deep pain to the Father to watch what we were doing. But I feel it. Something shifting in the hearts and minds of believers right now that there's a mighty move of God that's coming. There's a mighty revival that's coming. I don't think it's like anything that we've ever saw or experienced or witnessed before. And when we look at Acts, I think it'll be even a hundred times better than what was going on there. Why? Because it's in Scripture. Talk to me about that sometimes. It's in Scripture. There's a great awakening that's coming. And if you want to put this up, I want us to try and remind us of ourselves 
Because I felt this, again, I'm not going to be as arrogant to say I think God put this specifically in my heart, but I feel like this is something that I've been challenged and that God's revealed to me, and I think it's for us. Not just us as a church, but as this nation and the nations. You see, we love to pray for revival. That's all we ever hear, revival, 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 revival. I've read books on revival. I love it. But actually, it begins with renewal. Personal renewal leads, will result in revival. What is revival? Corporate renewal. When we are renewed within, it's going to lead to a corporate renewal, a revival. I don't think has it ever been seen before. They'll not even be able to write books about it because it's going to last until Jesus comes back. It's going to be forever. There's going to be this moves of God. But renewal begins with repentance. It begins with repentance. I want to pray for us. And I feel like um, God may want to minister to us in this. But I think we've got to repent. So I love you. Just where you are. If you, if you can, stand. If you can't, that's okay. And I just want us to posture our hearts. Look, again, if you're here for the first time, this is, it's nothing special. It doesn't mean that God takes more notice of us. It's just, it helps us to focus our hearts. That as we, we stand together, we, we bow our heads. And if you feel like it, just like put your hands out in front of you like they're, like they're drying. Just put them out in front of you. If not, that's totally okay. So I just want to invite Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts now afresh. Come, Holy Spirit, we say sorry for the times. I say sorry, Lord, for the times when people have tasted in my life Diet Coke, caffeine-free Coke, zero Coke, and it hasn't been the genuine, authentic, full-fat faith that we're meant to be offered. And so we repent, Lord. We offer our hearts to you afresh and say, help us, Holy Spirit. Lead us in renewal. Look, just continue in that posture, but it wouldn't be right of me to not give an opportunity for someone who wants to surrender their life, surrender their heart over to Jesus for the first time and see that renewal begin. Um, I have to answer to Jesus someday. I have to answer to the Father someday about this. So I'm just going to say it. Who wants to give their life to Jesus? Who wants to surrender their heart to Jesus? That's you. Would you just put your hand on your heart right now? If you want to re-surrender your heart You've maybe made that commitment before and you want to say, I'm all in again and put your hand over your heart right now. Just as a sign. There's nothing special. It's just a sign to help us focus. Just pray out prayer. Lord, I'm sorry. Fill me afresh. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. You're the one I want to follow. And I need your help to faithfully represent you. So just come, Holy Spirit.
Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh. More. But I pray for each of our family members who can't be here today because of sickness or because of grief, because of anything that's got in the way. Lord, I pray right now that as they would listen on the podcast, on the recording, that you would touch their their lives afresh. Bring healing. Fresh surrender. So, I just want to bring things into, just stay in that posture, but I want to bring things into what we want to call like a soft close here, where we want to stay in this position. But if you need to go and lift your kids, you can go and do that. If you want someone to pray with you, look, yeah, we're here to pray, but actually there's people all around the table. Just ask someone to pray with you. And if you've prayed, I would like someone to pray with you because you want to commit your life to Jesus for the first time and make sure and don't leave without doing that because God loves you. He is relentlessly pursuing you. It's not a mistake that you're here. And I don't mean that to entice or to entangle. Holy Spirit, come do your work. In Jesus' name, amen.